Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to another episode of the Lazy Podcast. I say ladies and gentlemen, but no respectable lady will listen to this podcast. <laughs> I'm only joking. If you're a lady listening to the podcast, welcome. <laughs> the humor in this podcast is as dry as Arsenal season so far. <laughs> right, let's get into it. In this episode, I want to talk about movie villains. What happened to movie villains? And where are all the good villains? It looks like every new movie that comes out, they have a shitty protagonist and even shittier villain. Where are the Darth Vaders? Where are the Jokers? Where are the Lokis of the movies? Where are the Hans Grubers of the movies? Where are the Hannibal Lecters of the movies? It looks like every new villain that they come up with is like a, a crybaby or a pathetic little man because obviously he has to be weaker to make the protagonist look better even though the protagonist might be a plank of wood on his own or her own. So what makes a good villain? A villain should make you question or whether the protagonist is right or whether he is right or she is right, the villain makes you want to question or makes you want to see his point of view for example um, Hans Gruber iconic villain at this point in Die Hard and played by an iconic actor as well I'm going to count to three there will not be a four possibly the most perfect combination of voice and face put to screen for a villain Alan Rickman brought something so special to Hans Gruber, a cultured convict villain who could impress and change the situation even when his original plan was compromised by a pesky barefoot New York PD policeman, Bruce Willis, John McClane. Gruber sees himself into sign history. It doesn't hurt that he was given some truly memorable dialogue, obviously. Um, by the writers his delivery obviously his delivery is amazing as well and so precise um, and, and his theatrical training like he's he, he did theater for very long time and it's just it just shows on that movie on how how good his performance is um, and all great villains need a noble defeat you know like uh, a few of them get to fall the way Grouper goes because most of them they just you know like go like fucking they never existed or take for example the most iconic villain of all time the most memorable Darth Vader everyone knows who Darth Vader is and it's so iconic at this point 40 50 years in the making that is so menacing like his presence alone they made sure in that first movie 1977 that when he shows up he's tall he's menacing he doesn't mess around when someone tries to undermine him, he force chokes them. There is no messing around with Darth Vader. No one gets to make fun of him and get away with it. It doesn't exist. His voice is scary and the fact that you cannot see his face is even scarier. It's all about setting the tone and making sure that your villain is menacing and making sure that your villain needs to be taken seriously by the audience. And if you take, for example, a, a different example, a different villain like Kylo Ren most recently. The first time we see Kylo Ren, we'll, it's, he's amazing. He's, he stops a, a blaster with, with a force 
and he's he's you can see he's menacing he wears black he's a helmet you can see that this guy doesn't mess around then when he meets oscar isaac's character in in the prison and he tries to interrogate him and then oscar isaac's character makes fun of him we as an audience think that kylo ren is not someone to be taken seriously it's like it's sort of like the audience is making fun of him that's why for many reasons kylo ren didn't work but that is one of the, the reasons. If you also think of Thanos in the MCU, probably the best villain that they've done. And they've constantly sh- shit out very bad movies for years and years the MCU has. Um, and I've given them a lot of criticism for that because if a movie is shit, then I'm going to say it's shit. And, and they've done that with Captain Marvel, with Ant-Man, Ant-Man and the Wasp and so many more movies like that. But one thing they did great and they did amazing at is having Thanos and having his motives clear. You understand throughout Infinity War, probably the best MCU movie, you understand his motives, you understand why he's doing everything. You, you it, It's pretty clear that his planet has been destroyed uh, because there was too many people to feed and in his mind that's that's a, the brilliant thing in his mind he's a good guy that he's gonna save the universe because for years he's going around and he doesn't have the infinity stones and for years he's going around and killing half the planet uh, and choose like he has to choose on his own and then he he thinks that with this device he will all be done automatically and he will just save the universe but in theory that sounds so- sounds like something that would save the universe if you have half the mouths to feed then probably that won't make civilizations disappear or destroy themselves and all of that he's not doing it because he's evil he's not doing it because that's what the plot demands he's doing it because he has been through that his planet got destroyed and he has seen what can happen it's not like he's doing it because the the plot or the writers said so. You, it's clear motives. That's what makes a good villain. That's what the difference is with, between a, a shitty villain and a great villain like Thanos is. Another example is Anthony Hopkins' Hannibal Lecter in The Silence of the Lambs. Anthony Hopkins made Hannibal a legend. Most great villains are defined by their actions, but Hopkins' stillness is what's so unset you have jodie foster staring through the glass and he peels away her layer with uh, softly spoken words like lecter's horrific acts are more implied than shown and that is the difference here there is nothing scarier than our imagination there the, the scariest monster that you can think of that there is nothing scarier than our imagination so imply always this is always works for horror movies the best horror movies are those that they don't like plan out show you the monster because that that would make sense if they showed you the monster in the first five minutes then that would just destroy you know all the drama and all all the you know like anticipation of what is this monster like because then you're not scared of it anymore if you've seen it that's what um john krasinski's and emily blunt's a quiet place uh, in 2018 did wrong in my opinion they showed the monster in the first like 10 minutes and then yeah okay it was still scarier but 
the tension would have been so much better and you know so much more tension if you hadn't seen the monster because we they say that there's this monster that it can hear you so you cannot make any noise uh, and we haven't seen it it travels very fast and all of that very scary but then they show it to you and then you're like oh shit it's um, a big cgi monster <laughs> Ooh, so scary <laughs> But enough about good villains, the bad villains. Recently, there's like a spree of bad villains. Well, there's a spree of bad movies, but also they usually have a bad villain in them. What happened to movies? Is it because movies and Hollywood in general have gone a more quote-unquote progressive way uh, and they they look more to, to have like a social message and to make like social commentary? Um, so much so that, that, that they forget to, to make a good movie. Um, yes uh, and and no, I don't think it's that easy to just say, oh yeah, they're more concerned of that, about that, uh, even though they are. Um, movies have always had a social message, you know, like social commentary. Uh, so if you if you if you think about a, a movie that I, I recently watched, I haven't watched, uh, it's called Lion. Directed by Garth Davis, um, he once said, "Right, I've got his quote here: Filmmaking is not a job, but a social responsibility for me." Lion tells the story of an Indian boy adopted by a wealthy Australian couple who sets out to find his real family after 25 years, six Academy Award nominations, and 140 million box office hit. Later, Davis's film is evidence that. Um, commercial acclaim and social responsibility can coexist right um, the concept of social responsibility in my opinion is that businesses must balance profits with activities right uh, activities benefiting society obviously having you know different jobs and and you know all of that because obviously it's a massive industry and it employs a lot of people that's that's fine you know people need need to work um, translated into the film industry, um, the idea that movies should not exist solely to make money. They must also have something to say. And this is something I also agree with. Um, because many times movies like, I don't know, like MCU and, and you know, like Disney movies and, and sort of like uh, the Netflix and chill movies, you know, like the silly comedies, usually they don't have anything to say and their purpose is to just entertain you for an, an hour and a half and, and that's fine. Those movies need to exist too and movies with, uh, you know, a social message need to exist as well, in my opinion, okay? Um, Hollywood's recent trend has embraced films with social, like a social conscious... Uh, uh, way um, so for example a 2018 film Call Me By Your Name uh, Three Billboards Outside Ebbing, Missouri and Get Out um, these um, stories focus on the relationship between two men in the first one a woman's search for justice over the death of her daughter in Three Billboards Outside Ebbing, Missouri um, and then a social satire on racism, Get Out. Get Out uh, was written and directed by Jordan Peele uh, from Key, Key and Peele, or P and Peele, no, Key and Peele. <laughs> uh, brilliant movie, that one as well. Um, 
and they all made a fairly a good amount of money and they all um, did very well at the Oscars obviously um, obviously we had Black Panther uh, that same year that it was like groundbreaking box office smash superhero movie um, Black Panther transcended the, the, the Marvel Cinematic Universe and Hollywood to become part of a wider conversation uh, which is all very good uh, it reveals the question what do people want out of out, out of cinema uh, on the surface the reason why people go to the movies is the same as has always been a slice of escape escapism a desire to avoid everyday reality and include you know in some entertainment and just enjoy basically um, the compelling intimacy and anonymity of sitting in a darkened room full of strangers it's just uh, it's just something different and it's it's sort of um, like an event cinema has always been like that for me um, you can watch a movie at home and, and all of that and that's fine but cinema is more like an event yes it, you go for the movie but you you know like it's the people you go with and it's sort of like a, a, a night out or a day out um, for me anyway uh, so whatever the reason moviegoers purchase their tickets there is one undeniable constant films provoke a reaction whether you hated it or loved it the best films are leaked uh, the best films uh, you know they want you to have an, an uh, emotional response and shouldn't that be enough I don't know um, so movies have always had uh, um, a social message uh, and they've always tried to say something and that's very good in my opinion but they also need to be a good movie and this is what they have recently forgotten about and with the rise of you know like the weekly movies that Netflix puts out and, and all of that sort of like um, quick entertainment and all of that uh, they most of them they forget and they, they they're not good they're just shit most of them so let's see a more recent example of um quote-unquote uh, progressive uh, woke movie that has a strong female protagonist um, that she can be anything and she can do anything because she's a strong woman <laughs> um men in black international what a shit of a movie this was it did not make any sense um i'll quickly very quickly go through the synopsis of this movie so we have uh agent h played by chris hamsworth 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 uh, the australian thor guy uh, and then we have agent uh, what's her name h um, played by Tessa Thompson, she's also in the MCU, and then we have uh, Agent T, played by Liam Neeson, he shows up a couple of times in the movie, um, they go around looking for this uh, device that some, some people have stolen, uh, and it's the bad people of the movie, the bad aliens are called the hive they can shapeshift and they can infect humans and stuff like that and they have a device that's like a star that can explode very boring already 
Um, the way that Tessa Thompson gets in the Men in Black organization is completely stupid. She just um, follows them and, and she just gets in. And this is like the Men in Black organization. Like this is a, the organization that's like super secret and no one can get in and all of that. And then she's able to do it because plot armor and because the plot needs her to do it. And then when she gets there... Um, Imagine right. Let's let's imagine. I know this is not for the villain, uh, but I'm gonna talk about the villain in a minute anyway. But imagine if you break into the FBI or the CIA or whatever secret organization's headquarters, and then say that, uh, "Oh, I am. I want you to hire me." What do you think will happen? Um, they probably won't accept that, and probably you won't be allowed, and probably be I don't know imprisoned or in that case. Um, in in that universe that they have the memory wiping devices they would probably do that and then just move on about their day but no here they just give her the job because I don't know because she's been waiting for it her whole life and shit like that it just doesn't make any sense anyway spoiler alert at the end we find out that Liam Neeson's character is a bad guy and he was infected by the hive or whatever and his motives doesn't make any sense and the whole thing doesn't make any sense and it's just a shitty villain that just like a it turns out to be a cgi monster at the end that they need to fight and they need to blast and it's just they didn't make any sense and this movie has no character this movie has nothing for it and it's just it's like um, this movie is like you know like if you have like different tick like different things that you need to do so it ticks all the boxes and that's that's it which on paper sounds fine but it it's not and then at some point at some point they make that um, oh why is it called Men in Black and then they're like the agent in charge she's a woman she, and then she's like oh I tried to change that so many times I'm like oh what the fuck <laughs> so cringy. Another uh, more recent sort of feminist movie um, written and directed by Elizabeth Banks. Uh, she recently made the Ocean's 8 movie with Sandra Bullock. Um, that was a shit movie as well. Uh, sort of like similar to what she made here. Um, first of all, who wanted this movie? Who said that... Uh, a failure of a, a remake in the early 2000s would make of a good movie in 2019. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> so here, this is like the shittiest villain that you ever see. We have Jonathan John Bosley. is the main antagonist of the 2019 American live-action film Charlie's Angels and former ally to the Angels. He is a treacherous and lustful commander of the Townsend Agency who plots to use the Angels in order. This is his um, reason of why he's a villain and this is uh, his motivation of why he wants to do the things he wants to do in the movie. In order to achieve full control over Project Callisto. Project Callisto or Callisto is like a, a thing, a gimmick they have in the movie that is sort of like titanium or whatever it's called in the MCU that it can be turned into anything, basically. Um, 
so that he could become more powerful than his deceased superior Charlie Townsend ever was. That's his whole motivation. He wants to become more powerful. This is what I'm talking about. Villain motivations. Like, it just doesn't make any sense. He's forced um, to retire in the movie. And he becomes this pathetic little shitty man. This pathetic little baby. Uh, all because they need to make Elizabeth Banks's character to look better and to look like she's a better Charlie or whatever in charge and then she needs to look like she's more you know like in control and to to look like you know like women can be in control and all of that and that's fine but they say that your protagonist is only as good as the villain he's going against. If the villain's motivations are clear and and they make you think that maybe he's got a point, then the protagonist's role is to convince you that yes, maybe he does have a point, but that's not how you go about it. That's not... You don't go around and, and, and do everything on your own basically it's like in the joker for example you understand that he does have a point that everything is going crazy and and everything is going to shit and people don't care and all that he does have a point but then what he does and the movie makes it very clear but then what he does is just gets a, a pistol and starts killing people yes maybe you had a point but the minute you started doing that you lost all your point and this is what this movie does wrong as well. It's just the villain because he wants more power. Is that all? Is that why you want to destroy the world? Is that why you, you're willing to kill so many people? It just doesn't make any sense. And let's talk about the MCU again for a minute here. In Thor Ragnarok, for example, which is generally considered one of the better MCU movies. And it's sort of like a light-hearted comedy. The villain there is a woman, is played um, by Kate Blanchett. And then when she is introduced at the start of the movie, she kicks the crap out of Thor and Loki together. That's fine. And then when uh, Thor gets sort of like his power buff and, and his power upgrade and all of that, and it's time for him to sort of beat her. Uh, and this is Thor, who in Avengers Infinity War, he was able to almost kill Thanos, and then in Avengers uh, Endgame, he kills Thanos, right? This is Thor, one of the most powerful MCU characters that they've introduced. But obviously, she he can't be shown in a movie to beat a woman. Because that would send the wrong message or whatever. So what they come up with. They come up with like a, a get out of jail free card. Uh, so they just introduce this huge CGI monster. And that's fine. You know like because no one will think nothing of that. So this is what I mean of. Yes do social commentary. Of course you have to do social commentary. It's a form of art. All forms of art have social commentary. Music. They always have some, well, the good music has something to say, you know, because the, if it's a shitty trap song, then yeah, okay. But um, um, I don't know, like uh, books and, and paintings and whatever uh, form of art you think, they all have a message. But you can't sacrifice the the art itself so you can send a message. It's amazing that you want to do a movie for female empowerment 
but it's also very shitty that you want to have all other characters look weak and all of them look worse than your protagonist because you can't find actual qualities for your protagonist. Example, Captain Marvel, at the end she just decides that she doesn't want to fight the villain and it just doesn't make any sense. You have to make likable characters and you have to make characters that you want to go with and characters that you want to follow. Think about Sarah Connor in Terminator 2. She is a badass of a character. That's how you do a female character. She doesn't need your help. She'll fucking kick your ass in a minute without even thinking about it. If she has to do something, she will do it. She's not gonna sit down and and ask for help. That's how you do a good female character. And James Cameron did that 30 years ago. She has actual emotions. See, she is a human. She cries and she screams and, and she does all of that because that's what real women do. That's what real characters do. And for fuck's sake, she has real motivation. She needs to do she needs to protect her son. That's real motivation. Like I do not understand how movies keep get this keep getting this wrong. All these feminist movies portray women that they are like invincible, that they are not real. They don't have real emotions and, and, and real weaknesses. That's how you make a real person. If you show their weaknesses and then you show them getting over the weaknesses because everyone has weaknesses. Men, women, whatever you identify as, you have weaknesses. Think about Wonder Woman, right? Don't think about the new Wonder Woman movie, but the first Wonder Woman. Her weakness is she thinks that all people are good and all of them, they, they deserve a second chance and all, you know, everyone deserves something new and, and, and she thinks that it's the god Ares who makes them evil. And the thing that she has to come to terms with is that people, maybe some people are just evil and that that's it. And maybe some people are not good and they're just bad and, and that's that's it. There's nothing more to it. Amazing. Great, great movie. I don't know how they fucked this up so bad in the second one. Right, we're almost in the half hour mark. And this has been a great episode of the podcast. I really hope you have enjoyed it. And make sure to leave your comments down below if you're listening on YouTube. What you think about movie villains. What's your favorite movie villains. And let me know what you think about the, all these female-led movies. And, and what they can do to make them better, really. Because it seems like a lot of them are not very good. <laughs> Thank you very much for listening to this episode. If you're on YouTube, please make sure you subscribe and leave a like on the video. And if you're listening from anywhere else, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, make sure to follow there because we have episodes coming up. Again, thank you very much for listening and uh, I will see you in the next one.